Welcome to the View in Your Mirror podcast. We are your hosts, Lisa Rubin and Katie Harms. From new moves to tried and true strategies, we'll dissect the ways in which clothing and a little organization can and does affect your daily life. Come along as we hope to inspire, engage, and shape your rituals as well as your shapewear. Oh, Lisa Rubin. Katie Harms. Hello, 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 my beautiful friend. How are you? I'm good. How are you? You look quite beautiful today. Thank you. You as well. You know, um, one of the things you do for your clients and you did for me as well as you sent a surprise box. Talk to me about that. I did send you a surprise box. The box actually came to my house. It wasn't supposed to, but I brought it to your house and we were talking about other things and you couldn't wait to get in the box. I know. It's like, well, here's the deal. I, I just love how you go about doing things. And where I stopped having a real professional wardrobe or a need to use you on an ongoing basis, I still hang on your every word. And so when you called me and said, hey, I want to do this for you, like I do for my clients, I thought that was super thoughtful. And also, I got excited from that point on. So you picked out some things and you still, you see me enough. So you know, what's in my wardrobe and you know, the kind of things I like. So this is what you do for your clients, right? Exactly. Exactly. And I had looked at a collection of clothing that I sell a lot of, if I like the collection, it's called et cetera. And I saw several pieces that had your name on it. So I texted you and said, Katie, can I send you a surprise box? And you said, yes. Well, it's a little chilly here in Minnesota. And so today I put on this beautiful sweater you got me. And I I have to tell you the feel of it. First of all, it's burgundy. And if anyone knows anything about me, it's, it's kind of a maroon burgundy. If anyone knows anything about me, I'm a huge gopher fan. So maroon and gold, I always love colors like this because I I like non-logoed gear to go to games and things like that. So I know that's just, (laughs) that's my little thing, but it is truly beautiful. And it's, what would you call this collar? I would call it a ruffled collar, but it's actually not ruffles. It's not. And it's, but this is kind of two-tiered. Yeah. And this is knit, but it's a light knit. It's really beautiful. Well, anyway, it's, it's hard to describe something on a podcast because you're not seeing it. So maybe I'll have to take a picture, but Um, I had a friend say to me the other day that they went through their closet and they could not believe how much dust was on the top of the hairs from things they hadn't gone through for so long. I think that's with everybody. I think, and people are starting to now really go into their closet and because they are now either going back to the office, maybe on a part-time or they're meeting somebody for lunch or for dinner, or they might be taking a couple business trips and everybody's in panic mode because now they look at their clothes and they think they have nothing to wear. Now, if they would have been listening to us, they would have been ahead of this, but you know, (laughs) even then you still need, I mean, that's not fair to say, because even then you still need gentle reminders. One of the other things that I was talking to another friend talking about when you go through this process, and this is I think all women are the same in this way. And you've said this too. We look at ourselves and we're harder on ourselves than anybody else. So if you're going to go through the process of using a wardrobe consultant, having you come in and do your magic, you start at the place you're at, 
correct? You don't say, I'm going to do this after I've lost 15 pounds or after I've gained this weight or after I get a facelift or, (laughs) you know, whatever people are thinking, you start where you are now. And that makes a difference, does it not? Yes, I agree 150, 200%. I tell people (laughs) that all the time. You know, whether you are, I don't know a woman right now that is happy with her body completely, right? We all have our self-doubt. We all have our idiosyncrasies. We all hate a part of our body. And when I come in to talk to somebody, those are some of the questions I ask them flat out. Because until I know what those are, I'm not going to get anywhere with anybody. And Mm. it might be your neck. It might be your stomach. It might be your hips. It might be your butt. It might be your ankles. I mean, whatever it is, we all have them and it's okay. And may I say that we don't recognize them in each other. I think that's such a key. But if you're not feeling good about yourself in those areas, you're not going to carry yourself the same way. So I mean, maybe the word is camouflage. There are ways to camouflage things that you don't particularly care for in yourself or to dress around it or to, you know, if you don't like your neck, what kind of collars you wear. And if you don't like your upper arms, there, there are so many ways to do it. But I think part of, and having gone through the process with you before was that feeling of, okay, I just got to tell this one person this, and then it becomes easier because then you can work with that. Right. And I can also help you and show you different pieces in your wardrobe or different ways to wear something so that you aren't so self-conscious when you're out in the world. Because most women think like if they don't like their stomach, let's use that as an example. It's a big one. Everybody's looking at their stomach. You walk into a room and the entire room is looking at your stomach. No, they're not. Nobody's paying attention to your stomach because they think their stomach (laughs) is bigger than your stomach. Actually, they just think their stomach is, they're just in their own head. I think that's everybody, all all women are all in their own head there. And then they're looking at other women. But the one thing I'm going to say, but wait, I want to stop about, I want to stop there for a second because that's, and you're probably going to say something really, really important. But when you say they're all looking at other women, but I don't think we as women, do you think we as women look to judge? No, to see that that I think they're just looking, I think we look favorably on other women and go, wow, look at how great she looks. Look at that. Or look at that. That's exactly what I'm going to say. Okay. So we're, we're always looking at other women to say, oh my God, look at her stomach is so flat, like in our minds or, but the one sparkly thing that I'm going to say is think about this. When you're in a room full of women, what do you actually look at, at a woman? You look at their shoes. You might look at their handbag. And you look at their hair first or their yeah. smile or their, their smile. smile. Yeah. Their face. Their I smile mean, and their face. Yeah. yeah. The rest of it is an afterthought, right? Or you it might is. look at them and say, wow, what a great dress she is wearing. You're right. not saying, oh my God, look at that great dress and her flat stomach. I mean, you know, it's, it's and I think, you know, we've talked about this before, but I think it really bears repeating because I think COVID has been so hard on people in ways that we don't even understand. And it's continuing. And I think we as women are the people that take it on. And by take it on, I mean, they take on family stuff. They take on, I don't care, even if you have the most balanced marriage in terms of dividing things up, it's still, my guess would be 80% of the time falls on the woman 
to make the determination what the division is going to be. So I don't think in a lot of cases you have a lot of male partners who come in and say, okay, honey, it's time to divide up. Who's going to do the wash this week? And who's going to do this? And who's going to do that? I could be totally wrong. But just judging from what I'm watching in life with people I know, I think that's the way it goes. So then we end up taking on more and more things. The kids' schedules, the, you know, we're going to be talking about a lot of this too with Lisa Woodruff, who is our guest this week. She is the author of The Paper Solution, and she's a founder of Organize 365, which is an organizational business. She goes all over the country helping people with their organization. She's written a book called The Paper Solution. But in her book, she talks about just all the different things that she will go through with people on what they have to do to get through to be their most organized self. And the layers upon layers upon layers of things that you have to do. So when we talk about what we do as organizational experts, and you in particular, if we can take that wardrobe part out of it, so that when you walk into your closet, and you know, each day, whether you're a planner, and you've planned it out the night before, or whether you go in and go fresh in the morning, you know, you've got things to pick from that you're not going to feel uncomfortable with. Exactly. And so you can then be more organized. What comes to mind is strategic. We all know about strategic thinking in business. This is no different. This is strategic thinking in your home. It's strategic thinking in your wardrobe. That was, that was well said, Katie. Yes, it, it is. It was long-winded, thinking. I would say. But... <laughs> and I gave you two words. <laughs> that was well said, Katie. But it is strategic. And I think that also that when women do like what pieces are in their closet that combined a wardrobe, you know, I talk about wardrobe all the time because it is very important to look at your clothes as a wardrobe so that everything can mix and match and go together so that when you are making outfits, if you have a pair of pants that you absolutely love, you can wear them three times a week if you're going out of the house, right? But you can put different things on top and they're all new outfits, but you're still wearing your favorite pants that make you feel really good that aren't tight in your waist. They're not tight in your butt. You like the way they sit. They don't wrinkle. All of the above. So that's what a wardrobe is. Yes. And I think just like we're talking about it and we've built a podcast around it, your attitude and your effort are so important in this. It has such an effect on how we feel, your attitude and your effort. So if you can put this effort into it ahead of time, it's going to help your attitude when you go in and say, oh my God, I'm bloated because I had too much salt last night. But you've, you're prepared for that. I think, you know, we're all living in different forms of our bodies. I've, I heard a statistic recently that said something about the average waking during COVID has been two pounds a month. So there's a lot of changes going on in our bodies. And that's a scary thing when you're talking about your closets, then you add on to that perimenopause, menopause, all the things that women are going through. And it's a little bit of a perfect storm. So getting out in front of it, although it may not be comfortable, is really, really important, especially if you're in the work world. And also let's add, even for people that don't like to shop, retail therapy is very good right now for people, even if they want to just get a couple new things to add to their current wardrobe 
it just freshens them up. Even like what you're wearing today and we're on Zoom, but I can see what you're wearing. You're happy. You're sitting up higher. You have a smile on your face and it's. <laughs> How's my bra? Is my bra adjusted correctly? It is adjusted correctly, <laughs> but, but it makes a difference, right? It absolutely does. And I, I really speak from the heart because I feel all these things, you know, and I think it makes such a difference in the people I know and the people I talk to. We're all talking about the same thing and we're all feeling the same thing. And not when we go into the work world, you know, we get in, we get our jobs d- done. We work in sectors where we're working with all sorts of different people. I think what matters is at the end of the day, if you can come home and say, you know, I just feel really good about how that day went and not have to even think about what you've worn because you just know you feel good in it. And let's add something that we've talked about in previous podcasts is maybe that outfit that you're wearing that you felt really good in all day will become one of your lucky pieces or your favorite pieces in your wardrobe or something really good happened that day when you were wearing that outfit. And I want people to keep that in mind because I talk about that when I help people and make sure you know what those pieces are. Because if you wake up and you're having nothing but frustration, stress, kids, whatever, go throw that outfit on. By 12 o'clock noon, you'll feel a little better. Wise advice from Lisa Rubin. We're going to call you the closet psychologist, the closet therapist. I'm doing way more therapy these days than (laughs) I am shopping that I can tell you. Yeah, it stands to reason. I think if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, it's, it stands to reason. So thank you for doing what you do. I know it's, it, it has a lot of people thinking and the response from people is excellent. You keep getting these amazing tech. I got a text this week uh, talking about the podcast with Rashini, and that was so fun. And, you know, who knew there was a lot of people out there that happy hour was their favorite meal? I know. I didn't even think about that because <laughs> <laughs> happy hour is not my favorite meal. Breakfast is my favorite meal. Breakfast is yours. Um, I would have to say anything that involves food is probably my favorite meal. I like cookies. Ah, well, then there's Rustica cookies. You know, we had some people over for dinner the other night and we were all running short of time. And so the person who was bringing dessert, I said, go to Rustica, get those take and bake cookies <laughs> and I'll have the oven on. And that's what we did. And oh, beyond yummy. I know. They are beyond yummy. Fun. Well, listen, we have Lisa Woodruff with us. She is the founder and organizer of Organize 365. And she has written a book called The Paper Solution. And you and I both got the book ahead of time, which is uh, exciting. It's now uh, on sale. So you can get this. She is at Organize365.com. And we are excited to welcome Lisa Woodruff to our podcast and talk about The Paper Solution, which is also the name of her book. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks, Katie and Lisa for having me. So I was reading your book, of course, from one organizing wonk to another, I suppose. <laughs> I, I kind of live this stuff. So I love looking at it. And I first have to say, I'm kind of with you on the whole Marie Kondo thing. I love the fact that organization is taking such center stage right now. And I'm six feet tall, and I don't think I could get anything I own folded up as small as Marie Kondo <laughs> could get her things folded up. But love that she's bringing a attention to, to what we're, what we're trying to achieve, which is to get people organized with that. How did you come to your life as an organizational specialist? 
well, you know, I'm going to be 50 next year. So it's a long and windy road <laughs> to get to where you are. Like each decade kind of has its own unique thing that you learn and add on to the next decade and the next and the next. So as a child, like my first 10 years of life, I was a very organized child, very active, but also very organized. So my mom could go shopping at the department stores and bring a box of buttons. And I would sit on the floor and sort those buttons by color. Later, I did jigsaw puzzles. So I would do those real intricate organizations. And then the next 10 years of my life, I organized my bedroom. I organized all the bedrooms and the houses of the people that I babysat for. And then in my 20s, I got a degree in early childhood education and I became a teacher and I would organize other teachers' closets and my own house and my own closets until my 30s when I adopted my two kids and everything came crashing down. And I was like, why can't I be organized anymore? <laughs> and I kind of got myself organized again and really... Um, sunk my teeth into being a stay-at-home mom. Like I'd, I'd wanted these children for so long. It's what I I'd prayed for and dreamt of my entire life. I loved my 30s staying home with my kids. And then I was 39 and I'd gone back to teaching and I felt like I was failing at everything and my house was falling apart again. My parents had gotten divorced. Like we were out of money. I just felt like I was at the bottom of this hole. And I thought, how did this happen? Like, how am I going in my 40s this way? And I just thought to myself, you know, this is not my story. Like, this is not the story I have. I come from a long line of entrepreneurs, both on the male and female side of my, my family. And I knew I was destined to have my own company someday. And I was like, well, today's the day. Like, what is my company going to be? And when I looked back over those 40 years, I realized that organization had either gotten me the job, kept me the job, or made me successful in every single job I had had. So I started to organize 365 almost 10 years ago and really set out to marry that, you know, teaching, born organized, and being able to organize other people in person. And I found along the way that I really like organizing people. Interesting. And you're right. We all have a lot of it, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. What was the impetus? You talk about it in your book. What was the impetus for how you came to really write the book and realize that paper was a problem for a lot of people? So I think when you think about getting organized, we all think exactly like you said, I've got to clean out my sock drawer. Like there's got to be a better way to organize this refrigerator. And we almost always start in those two places, either our closet or our kitchen, because that gives us an immediate sense of control and a big bang. Like you could see the organization. But what I found was disorganizing to me when I first adopted those two kiddos or when I went into people's homes and professionally organized them or for myself in my thirties is that life's unexpected events, births, marriages, adoptions, divorces, all of those things come with a lot of paper. And there are not very many resources out there that teach you how to organize that paper, what paper you should even have, where to find the paper you need in order to get through these events. And so you limp through those events, trying to reorganize closets and kitchens, and you just feel very disorganized and very scattered. So after I had, you know, become power of healthcare for my father and then power of attorney and then settled his estate and then sold our family home, I was like, oh, everyone's going to do this. Literally, literally everyone is going to go through what I just went through. And there's no roadmap. There's, we all want somebody who's gone through it and can give us the playbook. And so that's what I did. I created the paper playbook for all those unexpected events that you have that most of us are going to go through. So you say that for the most part, we all love rules. You talked about magazines and keeping magazines and why people keep magazines. Talk about that a little bit. I have found that as a teacher, you're looking to the teacher to give you some rules. And when we organize a refrigerator, you can't store more refrigerated food than you have the size of the refrigerator you have. 
But if there is no container that you're putting things in, or you could just buy more and more containers, like more and more file cabinets, there's no constraint to the amount that you keep. So then you're left to say, well, I really like this. So I'm going to keep all of them. So the client that I had early on in my professional organization career had like thousand magazines. Like she had like 10 or 15 subscriptions and like she knew the place that would get the magazine first out of all the different places that got their magazine deliveries. And she was there to get hers first so that she always had the subscription. And up until that point, when I ran into catalogs, magazines, newspapers, every single time the client said to me, oh yeah, it's aspirational. I want to read that. I want to consume that information, but I never have the time to. And I needed to find a way for them to find time to consume whatever it is they love. This was exactly the opposite. She had thousands of magazines. She had read them all at least once, sometimes more than once. Like this was her passion. She loved magazines. And so she didn't want to get rid of them. And I said, well, first of all, you don't have to. Like there's absolutely no reason why you have to get rid of them. You can keep them. And I think realizing that you're allowed to keep as much of whatever you want gives you then permission to look at it again and say, okay, well, do I want to keep all of them? So I said, of the 15 different magazines that you love, do you want to keep every issue of every one? And she determined, no, she only really wanted to keep every issue of three. So there were 12 that she didn't want every issue of, but she wanted the last full year's worth. But then the problem became, these were her babies. Like she didn't want to just recycle them. So we realized that she could donate those to many retirement centers who would love to have these magazines. And the next day she like took them all over the city of Cincinnati and replenished their libraries for them. So when you're, when you're talking to individual people, you can find what works for them. Mm-hmm. When you're writing a book, you've got to look at it as a system that's going to work for most. Yeah. Talk about that process. So basically there are only like five or six different kinds of paper that everyone is going to have. And then other things like books, magazines, art, pictures, memorabilia, those are different kinds of paper that we could talk about. But if we look at your filing cabinet or your kitchen counter paper, they're really just about six kinds of paper. If you don't have children, they're only really about four. So it's your everyday paper that comes in and goes out, needs action before you leave. That's the Sunday basket. And then the others are binders that replace your filing cabinet, medical paper, financial paper, paper related to the place that you live. You talk about a Sunday basket. Explain that. What's your kitchen counter look like? You have on your kitchen counter, sometimes mail, not mail isn't as important as people used to have sometimes coupons to do lists. My kitchen counter is filled with like, I don't know, a quart of paint that I need to get more of something that needs a new battery an adapter or a, a small Amazon package that came in that I don't have time to open today. Just the detritus of life, like the everyday to do's that you have to do. I want you to just put that in a basket. And if it can wait till Sunday, wait till Sunday or whatever day you want to do it and go through it all at once. So it's, it's kind of like a mailbox on your kitchen counter, but it's purposeful. You're not just creating a pile or putting everything in a decorative basket. Like as you put it in there, you're asking yourself this question, can this wait until Sunday? If it can, then it must. And you process it through all at the end of the week while you're planning out your next week, what will make it to the top of your to-do list. Okay. So we've made it to the top of our to-do list and we're looking at our basket. Yes. Is that where your four steps come in? Yes. Of processing the mail inside of the Sunday basket. Yes. Yes. So the first step is to look at everything that you put in there all week long and to 
eliminate as much as possible. Maybe you already got it done or you decide, you know what, I'm not going to do whatever that aspirational thing was when I put it in the basket. Then you process it and anything that can be done immediately, you do. This usually takes an hour to 90 minutes every Sunday, like pay the bills, you know, call and change that appointment if you can, if they're open on Sunday, all those things you can do. And then you file the rest away in this box for the week. And the the thing that you could file away on Sunday are the things that you have to do every week you do, but also this keeps track of all the projects that you are in process of doing ones that you'll do later this week or this month or this year, or just where else are you going to keep all of those little things that you have? Interesting. So for us, this is really fun. I have to imagine there's a lot of people out there that this isn't fun. Mm -hmm. Right. What do you say to those people? So organization is an optional kind of work. We did research on what is housework and Organize 365 has defined housework as four different kinds of work. There's cleaning, which everybody understands. And then there is tasks of daily living, which is like laundry and taking care of yourself, your person. And then there's organizing and maintenance and organizing and maintenance are completely optional. You do not need to organize your house and you do not need to maintain your dwelling if you don't want to. But if you choose to organize and invest some time on Sunday, what you get back is you get back additional time. If you choose to invest in maintenance in your house, you get back additional monetary value. So organization is really a productivity skill in which you decide to take a period of time, look at all the opportunities available to you, prioritize and pick just a few to work on this week and continue to repeat that event. So it really is the actionable, practical piece of productivity that most people don't quantify as tangibly as I do in that organizing step. You know, it's interesting from what Lisa does, which is wardrobe consulting. She's doing essentially the same thing when she's going into people's homes and talking to her C-suite executives on how they put their wardrobe together and what's important, right, Lisa? Yeah, as I was listening to her, I, I did see the overlap. And the one question that I have for you, I have the answer for myself when someone would ask me this question is, what happens when you, you talk to somebody where what you're telling them is so overwhelming they can only understand one step because I know several people when I go into their closet and they hate all their clothes in their closet, or they don't <laughs> like how they look, or they they're uncomfortable with their body, you know, all of, all of the steps, right? I have to pick one step to work on with them and leave the rest behind. So what do you say to those people? Yeah. So our one step is that Sunday basket, the act of learning to ask yourself every single minute of every day when an email, a text, mail, a kid brings you a piece of paper, you remember something in your brain. Those are all cues that you want to take action. And I want you to stop taking action and ask yourself, can this wait till Sunday? And that's what moves you from the reactive living to proactive living. Because otherwise we're like, oh, I have five minutes, I'll change that battery. But in truth, it really takes you 15 to 20 minutes and it stopped you from accomplishing whatever goal you had that week, even if it's just one goal. So it's that moving from reactive to proactive living and just learning to delay decision-making until Sunday and bucketing your decision-making. Once you learn that skill of the Sunday basket, you gain five extra hours during your work week, which is a lot. So 60 to 90 minutes on the weekend, within six weeks, you're gaining five hours every single week, which is an hour a day. That's a ton of time. Then once your brain trusts you that you will do that, we have you then organize your home and then tackle your filing cabinet and then organize your work. And so just like with the closet, we're taking you through organizing your entire life. But step one is teaching your brain to trust yourself that you will actually check some system every single week and not have to take immediate action 
so that things get done. So you're saying even with your emails, mm-hmm. you look at those emails and say, can this wait until Sunday? Yeah. That's fascinating. So Everything. how do those go? How do those go? So you basically have a something in your basket. You have a, an electronic basket then. We do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the five things you do every single week in your basket are uh, the first one is red to do like things that must get done this week. The second one is orange and that is called computer. And so for the computer, that's when you go through your email and I never get to email inbox zero, but you go through your entire email inbox and everything gets processed as much as possible on Sunday, unless it can wait until next Sunday. And you place all of your recurring orders, check all your descriptions, all of those kind of things, any of those computer or calendar related tasks. Yellow is the middle one that's errands. Like what are the things that you have to go out and get this week? Uh, green is your money, your finances, your budgeting. And then blue is what are you waiting for? So what action are you taking on Sunday? And you're waiting for somebody else to do something to come back to you. Like I submitted something for a rebate or I petitioned my medical community for a, uh, a reimbursement on something, or I am waiting for my passport to come in the mail so I can do this next step. So that's things that you've taken any action you can, but now you're waiting for something to come back so you can finish up that project. All right. And then you take a break to have a cup of coffee. We'll be back in a moment. On the Viewing Your Mirror podcast, we love sharing our personal favorites. Rustica Bakery is high on that list and we know you're going to agree. Rustica has two locations. They're original at 3224 West Lake Street in Minneapolis, across from Calhoun Commons and Whole Food Market. And Southdale Center next to Lifetime, where you'll enter without even going into the mall. Both have ample parking, either online or in-store. Bread, breakfast, dessert, treats, a menu sure to allow you to find a personal favorite in no time. Online ordering is a breeze and curbside pickup is an option. Available in-store only are savory menu items. Think grab and go for lunch or enjoy them there. Brunch items are offered Friday through Sunday. My personal favorite is the take and bake cookies available online or in-store. Truly a capstone for any get together and in just 15 minutes from package to plate, a memory to make. We highly suggest you always have these in your freezer. RusticaBakery.com. Find the food and drink you adore or try something new. Rustica Bakery puts the love shown by their customers back into every item baked. At Rustica, you're among favorites. And we are back. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk generational storage. We have, both Lisa and I have millennial kids. Um, I think my oldest is kind of on the cusp. What's ahead of millennial? Gen Z. Or Gen Z is blown. Gen Z is behind. Gen X, Gen X, I think. Yeah. So right in there. And what's interesting to me just to watch our kids and how they choose to save things or what they want, you know, we're going through our parents stuff and I've got, you know, this China piece that I got from grandma and would anyone like it? And they're like, no, (laughs) you know, it's not holding the same, but when it comes to um, certain pieces are, but when it comes to paperwork and all of that, and you talked about what you went through with your dad's estate and all of that. And I can so identify with that. And I still have paperwork from that. Not as much as you did, but I do. I have a file. One, I'm down to one file left of that stuff. How do kids handle this? And, and what, what can we do to make sure that we give them an easier process when we check out? <laughs> so uh, there's so many different ways we could go in this conversation. I think the first thing to maybe how I would reframe it is we often say paper, people say I'm paperless, so I don't need a paper solution. 
let's change the word paper to information. Everybody has to have the same information to settle an estate, to establish, to buy a house, to do all of these things. How you store that information may be different and retrieve it by generation. But I will tell you without a doubt, when you could take that information and print it out and make it a piece of paper, it is cheaper, it is faster, and it erases all confusion. So when you are going into the hospital right now and you have printed out your medical history and the medications that you take and you walk into the ER, the doctors and the nurses break out in tears because they now know everything that they need to take care of you and they can start plugging things into their computer, not trying to figure out if you're remembering it correctly or what you know or what you don't know. Uh, same thing with the estate. When I finally grabbed all of my dad's information that was in filing cabinets and on the computer and in his safe and with his other lawyers, and I assembled it in a rudimentary binder and I took it into his lawyer, she said, you just saved yourself tens of thousands of dollars because I can just start going through this and then asking you the questions for the things I don't need. So we keep information in three places, in our filing cabinets, on our computers, and in our brains. And there's a lot more in your brain than you realize. So the binders that we sell and how I tell you how to make them in the paper solution really include a pretty thick workbook because you have to get the information out of the filing cabinet and your computer and your brain so that people can receive the paper and then take action on it. Um, so that organizational piece is from moving from declutter or cluttered to productive and through. Now each generation does that differently, but as millennials are starting to age, they are the most interested in a paper solution. So when we did our survey this summer, the highest percentage of people interested in looking for a binder solution for their filing cabinet were millennial men, 62% said that would solve their information problem. Because I think while digital is easy to store and retrieve for an individual, it is hard for someone who is advocating for you or when you're going to collaborate. Like you don't necessarily want to share all of this in a Google Doc or a Dropbox, and then you have to know someone's password, and then you have to keep that digital system maintained just like you do a paper system. And so how do you share that with someone? Whereas if you take a binder somewhere or you hand someone a piece of paper, you're both looking at the same tangible information at the same time. That's interesting when you talk about it with the medical profession. My husband's a doc and I know one of the biggest complaints is the whole record keeping system and the whole filing and how they have to go in and things aren't where you think they should be. So you're right. If you walk in with a one page paper and hand it to them and it's got a synopsis, that, that is probably phenomenal for them. And, and just for your listeners, like medical records legally need to be kept only for seven years and medical things don't talk to each other. Like my daughter's pregnant. And every time we go into the whole system we're in for her medical, they keep asking if she has the Tdap vaccine, which she does from Walgreens, but Walgreens doesn't talk to the medical system. So we've got to find that piece of paper and I need to take it into UC so they can put it in the thing. Otherwise they want to give her a vaccine she's already had. So digital is great for an individual. It's not necessarily great for communication. Fascinating. Let's talk a little bit about from a security factor, there's all these companies that are coming out with, you can put all your pictures and all your videos and all of that in the cloud or whatever, how secure and could the cloud go down and where all of our information is lost? How does that pertain to paper? You are way beyond my pay grade, Katie. I like to make a to-do <laughs> list and color code it. And like, I, I also realize that 
if you have mastered digital, your brain functions totally different than mine. I am a preschool and kindergarten teacher. And what I have found for most of the people that are drawn to organize 365, they're like, yes, I like paper too. Your brain processes paper different than it processes digital. And I have a hard time with abstraction. I could talk about abstract concepts, but if there isn't a widget on my computer home screen, I forget that that information is on my computer and I can design websites. Like I'm very techie, but for information, I want to be able to hold it in my hand. I want to see it. I think much of your work, again, like what we're doing is we're constantly asking our clients questions so that we can get to what is going to work best for them because any system, it doesn't matter if it's not going to work for them and they don't buy into why they're having this system, whether it's their whole wardrobe, whether it's an entire redo of a closet for me or why we're putting a pantry together this way or why we're moving walls in a space to you with what works best that you've spent a lot of time and effort in a really fantastic book, but they have to buy into, they literally have to buy it. But really when you're talking to your clients, they have to buy into the process. Yes. And I would say that the degree to which the process is physically tangible differs by each person. So for me, I have all this paper in my Sunday basket and I go through it. Some people have multiple Sunday baskets and they have one for each kind of project they're in. And other people have the Sunday basket, but they really, it's just a reminder that they need to do this planning system every Sunday and they don't actually put very much paper in there at all. So it doesn't have to be done exactly the same way for each person. That's what I love. It's, it's modifiable. And I think whoever reads this is going to find pearls of wisdom in there that they can use, but the process is what fascinates me and the steps. Nothing seems horrible when you start thinking about it, even as little as purge then scan. Yes. I mean, yes. I, I, it's so simple, but really, I mean, how many people think about it or they're just sitting there going scan, scan, yes. scan without really thinking about what they're scanning or keeping. Right. Which I, is the same thing with the closet, right? Yeah. Before I go into someone's closet, I have a system of how they need to purge before I'll even look at their clothes. It's the same. Yep. Exactly. And then maintaining your system. Things in your life change. You have another kid. They start bringing <laughs> home paper from school. It's all the artwork. What do you do with all the artwork? Right. Tell us, how can people get a hold of it? So the paper solution is sold at bookstores. It's also on Amazon. You can find it on Audible. It's on Kindle. That's awesome. And so if you don't want to create more paper, you can... <laughs> You can get it on your Kindle. I love that. You also do a podcast. I do. I love podcasting. I'm so glad you guys started one. Isn't it fun? We yes, are we having a blast. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah. uh, gee, I'm going to just, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that your podcast, which is named Organized 365 Podcast yeah. is about organizing. <laughs> It is. And it's, it's not so much like, how do you organize your sock drawer or how do you organize a specific kind of paper? It's more the mindset of organizing this idea that we're so used to a, a perfect refrigerator or a perfect looking closet. When you're done that Pinterest level of organizing that I personally have never been able to attain. I'm a functional organizer. So I love a podcast because you're not looking at any pictures. Like as I'm talking, you're thinking about your own space. And more than how your space looks, I really talk about why you're getting organized, what you need to declutter, what increased productivity would look like, and really this uh, making you value your time as much as you value your money 
So often we make decisions based on how much things would cost when really what it costs you is a lot of time for a little bit of money. And once you change that shift, you start to organize differently. I couldn't agree with you more. And I've, I love the term functional organizer because you know I'll run through the feeds and I'll see, oh, there's another closet done by the home edit, which is yeah. really out there now, right? And God love them. They're all coming through the container store, which is selling lots of product and good for them. But I look at these places, you come in with an armful of things into your pantry and there's not one place to set something down or you come into your closet, the same, same idea. So I'm looking at these going, wow, they're really beautiful for pictures, but that is not real life. So I love that you're hitting it from that standpoint. I will definitely tune in. I really, I feel energized and and like, I want to tackle my two file drawers. <laughs> I'll report back at some point. So before we go, Lisa, we have a couple questions. One, we're going to, well, two questions. We have two questions. Lisa, take it away on the first one. So Lisa, if you were to think of a dog breed, what dog breed do you think you would be? Oh my goodness. Well, I don't know many of the dog breeds, although my daughter could tell you all of them. We have a Shiba Inu. I probably would be a Shiba Inu. So a Shiba Inu is the most cat-like dog there is. He's very much a diva. Like you call his name and he doesn't even look like a cat. Like, I don't know who you're talking to. I will come in when I would like to come in. <laughs> he is a fun, just different kind of dog. And I, I think I'm kind of that way. People think they know what they're going to get when they look at me as a professional organizer. And then they say, you're nothing like I expected you would be. So that's, that's a good answer. That's a really good answer. And I know that dog breed and they're really, they are a lot of fun. And the other question I have for you is, do you have a favorite piece in your wardrobe or a lucky piece? So when you're doing podcasts or you're going out on public speaking, is there something you always think about putting on? Cause it makes you feel good. So my favorite piece would be my jewelry. I wear the same exact jewelry every day. I remember like six years ago, maybe 10 years ago, CZ Orman talked about how she wore the same jewelry all the time. And so slowly over time, I have invested in the jewelry that I wear and it was very purposeful. So this is a sapphire necklace that I have that was an estate piece at Greg's uncle's store. And I wish I could show you the sapphire ring that he custom designed for me, but I lost it two days ago. I didn't lose it. I took it off to put lotion on my hands. And 20 minutes later, I couldn't find it, but I was in the bathroom the entire time. So this, this weekend, I will be taking all the clothes out of my closet and going through every single piece. I think it fell down in the clothes, but yeah, I would say I have been very purposeful with jewelry. My dad bought my mom, a lot of jewelry. My grandma used to buy jewelry whenever her husband would buy something for his old model cars. And so jewelry is a big family thing. And I've been very purposeful in what I've invested in and what I wear every day. Love the word purposeful. And it seems to really fit you well and what your life's work has become and taking all of your expertise from very early on to where you are now. And I can't wait to see what happens with the next 10 years and what happens in your 60s. <laughs> and we, we enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much for being with us. We wish you the very best with your book and your podcast. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Great to meet you. Okay. Well, as I said, Lisa, I feel a little overwhelmed because that was a lot of information and she's got a lot of energy, which is phenomenal. But I think it is truly like you tell your people, we got to take it in steps. Yes. And the, the book definitely, it's a quick read and 
So I really encourage anyone to get the paper solution. Now we have our spotlight on our nonprofit. I love the one that we picked, smilenetwork.org. They are an organization that does medical missions to help kids with cleft palates. So they rely on the generous time and talents of volunteer medical professionals, and they provide life-changing surgeries throughout the world for cleft palates. And they may do some other things. You know, COVID-19 has just wreaked havoc on any kind of medical mission trips and all of that. And I think the number that I remember last time was literally $500 in a third world country can change a kid's life with a cleft palate surgery. And a lot of these children are really shunned from their communities because of this facial deformity, because they look different and people don't understand. So Kim Valentini is the executive director of this organization and a wonderful person. And I would encourage anyone to look at smilenetwork.org and to look into this great organization. With that, we are going to wrap up. What do we do when we wrap up usually? I'm, I'm so overwhelmed with all the work that I have to do. I just can't wait to dig into my file drawers. <laughs> I know I'm weird. I can't help it. People want to get a hold of you and you've you're getting busier and busier. So I am getting busy, but that's okay. I like busy. It's Lisa at wardrobeconsulting.net. And I am Katie at katieharms.com. Don't forget to look at yourself. Full length mirror is preferred and tell yourself just how awesome you are because that view in the mirror is uniquely yours and we love you for it. Until next time. (laughs) 